Okay, this is totally random. So, Chuck, what's happening? Oh, man, it's cold here. Dude, it's like freezing. colder here. <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's freezing here. I, I had to wear, like, a jacket last night, and I was still cold. Yeah. I got a jacket on. I got the heater cranked. I have dogs at both sides. I'm wearing long underpants on top of my pants. Wow. And I got and I got shorts on top of that and then some pajamas. You know what's awesome is that it's cold in here right now, but since I have my nest, I can just say mm. right from my iPhone here, I can turn the heat up so I don't have to even get up to change the heat, which is Isn't awesome. that isn't that the best? It is the best. Yes. It's the best. Yeah. I use it all the time, all day. It's like, pow, I got to turn it up. It's cold. The only, the only bad thing I've noticed is that since it, um, you know, it does the auto away thing where it uh, tries to figure out if you're not home, since, yeah. since the thermostat's in the hallway, I could be near my office and it thinks I'm gone. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not perfectly tuned to my work habits, but I'm a big fan. Yeah. Well, I had to wear my M Resort fleece today when I, was, when I did my morning run, so that tells I, you how imagine, cold it is. I imagine Hollywood fleece. You're not the first person to get fleeced at M Resort. It's a really warm thing. I can't even wear it inside because it's so warm. Dear, dear. So, yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, it's been a little bit while since we talked last. I think a lot of stuff's happened. I've got a long list of stuff to talk about. And mm. um, in addition to that, we have uh, a couple of interview episodes that are going to be coming up soon. We're recording one next week, and we've got another one we're about to set up. So um, it should be a lot of fun to do both of those. I'm definitely looking forward to it. It should be awesome. So those will be coming to you soon. You'll, we'll make up for all this lost time. Um, Dave, uh, you know, you've been out there pimping your book. Uh, things going well with the book. It's, it's the ultimate Christmas present for Vegas people in need. <laughs> this is absolutely the ultimate Christmas present. Yeah. Uh, no pimping involved. Uh, apparently there's a case of the Metro officer or something that's involved in that sort of thing. or Some officer somewhere, I don't know, involved in that sort of thing. I was just seeing that in, in the RJ. So no pimping involved. Nobody was harmed with the book. But, uh, yeah, the book is available widely, pretty much everywhere. And most importantly, if you're going to be in Las Vegas on December 13th and 14th, I kindly implore you to come down to the Mob Museum on the uh, on the Friday the 13th. I'll be at the museum gift shop there talking to people and signing the book for a couple hours in the afternoon, probably from... Cool. Um, on Saturday, I'm going to be giving a talk in the store courtroom. So come on down. Admission is free if you're a member. If you're not a member, you have to pay for the museum admission. So it's uh, basically on the added bonus if you get admission to the museum and check that out, which is in and of itself like a three-hour value right there. So I'd really love to see people there. That would be, be incredible. A three-hour tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At minimum. Uh, could no, be longer. It's, it's awesome. I definitely encourage folks to go down and check that out. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, and definitely, for if you do want to buy the book, um, just a reminder, what, grandissimobook.com is the best place to, to launch off yes. of? Yeah. yeah, and if you're in town, Mob Museum or Gambler's Book Club, and I've got another exciting retail partner that I'll be announcing sometime later, and probably going to be like a Britney-esque announcement for this, Yeah, where we're going to drop uh, turkeys out of a helicopter or something. <laughs> or not. Sweet. That's, uh, you could almost say Sarno-esque. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, all right, so first off today, I want to talk about the trippies. The trippies are VegasTripping.com annual readers poll and editors poll, not just readers. The editors also opine. And so uh, previously um, in the aforementioned uh, here to with period, uh, the nominations were opened and tallied. And uh, this fine podcast was nominated in the best podcast category. So I think I would like to say... Uh, I think I can do this safely on behalf of myself and my co-hosts here. We want to say thank you um, for nominating us in this category. This is a very tough category to win in. I think our expectations are properly set. But, um, you know, uh, it's always, it is, it is truly an honor to be nominated. We appreciate it very much. And one day when Minneapolis is nuked, we will win. <laughs> so um, until then, we will be sad, but we will be happy knowing that we were nominated. So, do thank you so much for that. Uh, in addition to that, there are some other nominations that, uh, you, that were directed at um, us for various projects that we work on. I would like to say thank you um, for some app nominations. Both, both, excuse me, both Vegas Bait and the Vegas List app were nominated, which was really very nice. Um, you know, I... Uh, I hope hopefully I'm not uh, splitting my audience here. I'm gonna it's gonna go to third place winner Boyd Gaming Be Connected app instead because uh, <laughs> people are split. But um, seriously, I do really appreciate those nominations. It's very awesome. So thank you to uh, to the uh, listeners out there. But um, but Dave, Dave is the is the man of the hour with many nominations across all spectra. Um, why don't you tell us uh, all the ways we can embarrass you with these accolades? <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of embarrassing and, and it, almost surreal. So, and you guys have to, I'm not totally sure that this has really happened, so you've got to reassure me. Um, so first, obviously, with the podcast, with the two of you. Second, uh, Grandissimo has been nominated for Best New Thing, which is cool, which I, you know, I wrote a little blog post breaking down my competition, and I kind of like my chances there, um, just seeing that. It's also nominated for Best News, and most puzzling to me is I was apparently nominated for Person of the Year. Yes, you were. Yeah, I still won't believe that. With a lot of uh, people, I, and I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this right now. I think I want to... You know how when they have the Super Bowl and the, the mayors of the two teams do the... Uh, for those cities, do a challenge where one of them will, you know, do whatever, <laughs> eat this sandwich, the other one will eat that sandwich. Yeah. I'd like to kind of get a little friendly thing here going with Derek Stevens. Okay. And okay. I don't know what he can <laughs> offer, but if he wins, I will gladly de- deliver him a jar of nut butter. <laughs> I, and I don't it. know what he'll give me in the, in the extremely unlikely event that I would win, but if, if Derek wins and if he agrees to this, he's got a uh, jar of nut butter coming his way. Artisanal nut butter. That's fantastic. He has to drive you around in the de-armored limo. <laughs> yeah. right. yeah. That would be great. <laughs> or, he so, has yeah, to let, or he has to let you drive <laughs> the de-armored limo while he eats the nut butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, it's really surreal for me in a weird way, and it's, I'm, I'm grateful to everybody uh, who nominated me, and it's it's uh, really great. So thank you, everybody. Yeah, it, thank you from me and the rest of uh, the guys here. It, it is definitely much appreciated. Um, for those voting for the best Twitter Twitterer tweeter, um, I'm on Team Misnomer. So just uh, want to yeah, get that me out too. There. <laughs> me too. Uh, the guy's got to win one of these years. Uh, <laughs> 
All right. No, I want to talk more about the trippies because other than just it being so all about us, there's actually some you can, we can mine this information to sort of get some come to some interesting conclusions. Um, one of the things that I wanted to mention uh, just really to me underlines how bad the Las Vegas club has gotten. Uh, you know, we walked through there, Chuck, you and I walked through there during the VIMP festivities, oh, and man. that place is so ghetto. I think I literally voted for it in as worst <laughs> in every category that it was available. Because yeah. I think it, and that wasn't just me being, trying to be funny or being mean, I think it yeah. really deserves it. It is the worst. Yeah. I mean, wow. And it, was, and it did show up in a lot of those categories, so clearly yeah. a lot of people are noticing how bad it is. Listen, I can't be partial to the votes at this sure, stage, sure, sure. but I'm going to just say, just based on the fact that we did walk around the, the Las Vegas club together, that, oh man, it was probably the most dismal experience I've ever witnessed in a casino. It does not look like it's open in any way, shape, or form. It, 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 it's dirty and, and gross and... Just really poorly managed. There's no, there's no love or pride or anything going on in there. It seems like it's just operating to keep a license or something. I don't know. It's so, it, it's so despairful. Yeah, it's, it's full of sadness and hurt. It is really quite terrible. Yeah. It's, it's as literally as if it has like just zero leadership. It's just been left to kind of wild dogs are running the place. It's, it's, just, <laughs> wow. it's really quite bad. Um. I, unless Dave, it sounds like you want to defend the Las Vegas Club. Well, Why do you, you love know, the Las I Vegas just, Club? There may, and I'm not saying you know. Obviously, there's there's some issues there, but there may be uh, more to the story than we know. Wow, you're really gonna say that? Oh, no, yeah. Uh, uh, so you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll happen. Okay. Wow, what a letdown. <laughs> I thought they were going to. I wasn't amazing. Jonathan going to take that over, or did I? Uh, there was that thing where he was going to like design a ca- design the casino and yeah. yeah that you know that uh that didn't work out I guess I'm not sure or that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It's like the merry go round or Ferris wheel thing down by Mandalay Bay, you know. It's Ooh, it's happening yeah. soon. It's coming soon to a plot of land near you. Hey, I don't see the uh pod installation on our list of subjects today. Uh well, we can talk about the pod installation I, in a well, minute, but I want I want I think we just did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Scott at Vital Vegas likes to post like six blog posts a day about the pod installation. Um and uh for those that are uh not familiar, Vital Vegas is a great blog. It's been nominated mm-hmm. in the trippies as well. Um so Scott does a great job, but he has a strange obsession with the pods at the high roller at the link. He's posted like I think maybe ten posts on the various stages of pod installation. So for those pod installation fetishists out there, um go over to VitalVegas.com. Uh but oh yeah, go ahead. I just want to know what the next thing is gonna be. If all the pods are up, now what's next? Because awesome. they're not going anywhere. Awesomeness? They're yeah, up. I don't know. So what happens next? What they're do we gonna, obsess about next? They have to have like test runs, right? This pod moved 30 degrees this direction. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if it's, if it's rotated at all. And I don't know if when it's actually rotating, if you can see it rotating. Mm. I, I guess I'll find out when they turn it on. If a high roller rotates okay. in the woods, does it still rotate? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what to expect. Because what, what, it's going to move pretty slowly, so it's not going to be like a Ferris wheel. So I don't know. It's it's definitely changed the skyline. I drive past it quite a bit, so yeah, very, very. I see I see a lot of this thing. Yeah, it is huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing about regarding the trippies that I wanted to touch on, and um, and Chuck, if I've missed uh, some important trend, please let me know. But I mostly wanted to talk about downtown um, and how it showed up 
real heavily in the best categories. Um, it, was that a surprise to you, Chuck? As you were doing tallying this stuff together, uh, was that a surprise to you how it really seems like it's significantly taken hold in people's minds? Well, absolutely. It, uh, it was a... I put this on the Twitter saying that there was a major tectonic shift in the results of the trippies this year, and you pinpointed exactly what it was. Downtown has showed up in all the best. Like, probably two-thirds of the nominees for the best are downtown properties, and it's a very disparate group of properties that are being nominated. It's not just, like, one voting block. There's a lot of people... It seems like, you know, the, the fascination, the interest has gone to Fremont Street. That's at least amongst the people who are who participated in the nominations of this sampling. Granted, it's not, you know, the largest group of people in the world, but it's uh, it's significant to notice because the trends uh, on on our readers' poll usually are about a year or two ahead of what everybody else kind of really does. Yeah. So uh, you're going to see more. I see the numbers of downtown are probably just going to keep growing, I imagine, over the next few years. It's, it's dramatic. And it's interesting, right? So if you think best overall hotel and you look at a list, um, you know, I, I don't think that anybody would really dispute this. But if you, if you look at raw facilities, it's hard to compete with a place like Wynn or Encore or Bellagio or Aria or whatever. It's one of these huge multi-billion dollar resorts um, just because they have so much money to spend. Uh, but we're seeing you know, smaller places get nominated. So clearly it's more – it's about – for a lot of these people, it's, a, it's about more than just sort of – you know, are the uh, windows in my room floor to ceiling? Is the room six hundred and fifty square feet? These sort of um, the nuts and bolts of uh, of the rooms, the sort of the the spec sheet, as as it were, speeds yeah. and feeds, as we'd say in the computer industry. Um, yeah. It's about more than that, right? It's about experience. It's about um, the probably the value. It's about a lot of these things, which are important parts of these. And it seems like that's really showing through. And it, it allows a place like the D to complete compete with a place like Wynn. Mm-hmm. I think right. it's fascinating. Yep. Uh, um, it's, it's not really like a Forbes inspector kind of ticking off, do they right. have XYZ PDQ in the hotel? This is really a measure of the emotional reaction people have to places right. in the most rawest sense. Did they have a good time? Right. And if they did have a good time at these various places that they visited, they're going to vote for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I can say... Um, just as a personal anecdote, uh, when we were staying down, down the, we stayed at the D for VIMP weekend, and um, it was the first time that my wife had ever stayed downtown uh, for any, I think ever, but definitely for an entire trip. And she was going into it, I think, a little apprehensive, like, is, am I going to get bored? Is there going to be enough to do? Am I going to have a good time? And she came out of it a complete convert. Mm-hmm. Um, she's had a great time, is super excited, it was uh, heralding all the things that we hear other people say. So that, that was just, for me, a personal example of that. Uh, someone seeing it through um, non-jaded eyes like mine and, uh, and looking at it that way, I thought it was very interesting. Um, What's interesting to me, if I could just yeah. interject here for a second, Check, is away. it's so funny how everybody is fighting for market share in the Strip and 
there's, you know, bringing in a lot of consultants and all that, and there's a case where somebody seems to be doing a really good job of changing the way people think about their property. I've got to wonder if anybody from the Strip is hanging out there and taking notes. Yeah, you know, we've asked this question, I think, before on the show, right? There's, there's clearly some things that uh, some of these guys, especially downtown, are doing um, that uh, some of the Strip properties, I think, could really learn a lot from. I wonder how much of this goes to the ability of a smaller operator to be more nimble, to be able to, you know, Derek can make an executive decision and say, I'm going to do this. I know this is right. But if a mid-level manager at a strip property has a great idea, he has to get buy-in from people all the way up the chain, and they're going to look at it like, how is this going to affect my career? It gets so much more complicated and so political. Um, So it's really hard for a person in one of those mid-level jobs at a strip place to affect any change. Yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna con- I'm gonna amplify on this, but I'm gonna wait until we get to a later topic because I have something more I want to say. Okay, awesome. So, um, in terms of the trippies, Chuck, what is the story? It's today as we're recording this. It's Friday, December sixth. Voting is yes, still sir. open. When does that close? And then once the voting is closed, when do we get results? It closes December eleventh in the evening, uh, about eleven o'clock, give or take eleven twelve on twelve eleven. Me with my goofy numbers again. So, uh, and they're going to close then, then we're going to tally and build all the stuff and do all the writing, and the editors are going to discuss what our picks are, and uh, we will announce the winners with our annual five-hour-long drunken podcast live event on January, Saturday, January 11th. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Or maybe not first, but you heard it here. Uh, so that means I have to really get my ass in the gear and uh, get my Vegas Mate bug release update out so that you guys uh, don't uh, dock me for um, having too many problems in my code. All right, good to know. I've ran, I'm running that on my calendar as we speak. Um, all right, that's the trippies. Uh, you know, thanks again for the folks that voted for us in the nomination process. I think uh, it's safe to say we all really appreciate it. And, Chuck, thanks to you for hosting this competition. Or uh, maybe competition is the wrong word, but this um, recognition of uh, the efforts of all of those that uh, do these projects, they're for, they're for fun, and we love doing them, but it's always nice to be recognized as well. So uh, I, was th- I know it's a lot of hard work to make it happen, so thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. We're going to move on. So this next segment, we've got, we still have a lot of news to talk about. But before we do that, we're going to do something a little bit off, oddball, maybe a little fun. Um, we're going to do a rapid-fire uh, question segment. This was inspired and directly lifted, stolen, fabricated. Purloined. Uh, purloined, yes. We, I, thought, hmm. I thought to myself, I would really purloined. like to win that <laughs> podcast trippy. The best thing I could do is to take... The Five Hundred by Midnight Show and copy it wholesale. So <laughs> I am now lifting a segment entirely from my good friends over at Five Hundred by Midnight, and one of their um, dear callers named Stuart called in with a rapid fire set of questions, sort of the sort of true falsy type questions, and um, they did them on their show, and I thought it was fun, uh, and so now we're going to do it on our show. So. Mm. How, here's how this is going to work. This is, we're going to go through this relatively quickly. The idea is to um, pretty much give the first answer you think of, so not a lot of contem- contemplating in wiggle room. Uh, most of the questions are in the form of X or Y, so, you know, Bellagio or Aria, something like that. Um, and you need to say what you think. And to prevent, uh, 
prevent us from all talking over each other. Um, maybe what I'll do is uh, for each of these questions, we'll have um, Dave go first, and then uh, Chuck will go, and then I will go. Does that sound fair? Uh, and that way, we, hopefully, we can do it without uh, without talking to all sure. of ourselves. And um, <clears throat> all right, you, you guys ready? Da, da, da. Here we go. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Stewart's questions. Dun dun dun. Okay. Win or encore, Dave. Win. Chuck. Encore during the day, win at night. Ooh, encore for me, for sure. Um, Venetian or Palazzo? Dave. Venetian. Chuck? Venetian. Yeah, I would definitely say Venetian as well. Palazzo is like an open barn of ghetto-ness. Uh, all right, uh, Dave, strip west side or east side? Okay, i got to figure out which is which. <laughs> so if I'm facing north, it's, if I'm facing north, it's going to be on the right. Um, East. Wow. Okay. Uh, Chuck, east or west? East. Oh, you guys are crazy. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely the west side. You know, Bellagio, Mirage, like all the- I was, I was thinking win and encore. So yeah, they're old news. Now, I will, I would like to take issue <laughs> with Michelle's answer on the Five Hundred Show. She was talking about all the great stuff on the west side, like Cosmopolitan, and but then she mentioned Monte Carlo as a reason to pick the west side, and I just had a what the fuck moment uh, while I was listening because the Monte Carlo is not a good reason to do anything. I'm a fan of the Monte Carlo uh, in a very bracketed way. Why? For what it yeah. is, it's great, and I, I get severe '90s nostalgia there. I hope they don't change it too much. Just yeah. the whole way of the yeah. prop, just the bones of the property, very '90s. I okay. hope it's not altered too much in that thing. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. Here we go. Uh, uh, Dave, fashion show mall, forum shops, Miracle Mile, or Grand Canal shops? Go. Miracle Mile. All right. Chuck. Uh, in and out Burger. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say uh, forum shops, I guess. I don't know. I don't really have a strong preference on shopping malls. Um, all right. Next. Dave, D upstairs or downstairs casino? Upstairs. All right, Chuck, what about you? Upstairs or downstairs? Upstairs. Yeah, see, I think this one is, is simple. This is a no-brainer. It's got to be the upstairs. Uh, the Sigma Derby machine is up there. Vip, Vip took place there. Like, How could you ever pick downstairs? All right. Next up, Dave, New York, New York, or Paris? Ooh, that's a tough one. Man, I'll say New York, New York. Chuck. You got to make it there if wow. you're going to stay there. And then it's New York, New York. Da, 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 you guys are da. insane. Why would you pick New York, New York? It is so terrible. What, why? Would, why? Why? Tell me, Dave, we're, why? We're from, we're from the East Coast? Just because. <laughs> Just because. Just because. Uh, yeah. yeah, I definitely say Paris. New York, New York. Uh, uh, not, a, not a huge fan. Okay. Paris, Paris feels dirty to me. What was that? Um, somebody, oh, it was No Deuces on Twitter was, I think, complaining to Paris. <laughs> he, yeah. he wrote to them saying, like, why does every photo make it look like your place is full of dust and ghetto-ness? Something I'm paraphrasing, yeah. obviously. Right. And they wrote back saying, like, we work hard every day to make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was, that was hysterical. Thoroughly hysterical. Uh, all right. Let's see. Next up, um, Dave, Slotzilla or the High Roller? High Roller. Okay, Chuck. High roller. Yeah, I think I have to say high roller too. Um, even though I think it's going to be one of those things that I go on once and then never go on again. Um, this slot cell is, yeah, I mean, it's fine, but whatever. Um, all right, next up for uh, some food um, secret pizza or the American Coney Island cheese fries? Dave. 
Secret Pizza. Uh, oh, pretty good. Chuck? Pizza. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with Secret Pizza, too. Uh, the cheese fries are um, great, but Secret Pizza just is sort of magical. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, staying downtown. Downtown Grand or El Cortez, Dave? El Cortez. Why? Why El Cortez? Uh, well, I mean, I... They, well, Kenny Epstein's one of the coolest people I've ever met in Vegas. Okay. So that's, I mean, that, that's most of it right there. And uh, Mike Nolan, the GM, is, is too. And uh, just, yeah, I mean, I, I know the people there a lot better. So yeah. El Cortez. Fair me. enough. And I, I, I like it there. I really cool. like it there. I like going there to the coffee shop, having lunch. I, yeah. I like it. All right. Chuck, what about you? Downtown Grand or El Cortez? Uh, El Cortez, mostly because uh, I think I've learned my lesson about staying at a hotel in the first month or two that it's open. Yeah, it's <laughs> Just good, not going to do it anymore. Good point. Good point. Yep. I, I don't know. I think I would pick El Cortez, mostly because I'm more familiar with it. Dantan Grand is still an unknown quantity to me. Exactly. Uh, hey, El- oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I really like El Cortez. It's a very cool place. Yes, Dave. And guess what's happening at the El Cortez next week? I'm doing a Grandissimo event there. Oh, see? Ooh, awesome. I'm when, not kidding that? you. When's that? I'm talking to the uh, chip, uh, Casino Chip and Gaming Token Collectors Club wow. uh, there. So if people are interested in, in chips and tokens and want to come down, uh, we're going to be meeting, I think, on Wednesday. But so, they, they can uh, check that out in the casino, the uh, local Las Vegas chapter of the Chippers. Okay, so that's open <laughs> to the public then? I believe it is. You know, they like to, you know, they really want to get more people involved in the chip uh, lifestyle, uh, whatever that, that sounds a lot worse than I managed to say. You know, and, 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 like, the chips is a hobby. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, probably, I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh, so, <laughs> which is not the most, which is not the best introduction. Like, I'm sure it'll be okay. But, uh, yeah, tell them what I sent you. We, yeah. I think we're in the Fiesta room, and I think it's... Nice. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm not being... Meaning to be this uh, <laughs> Let me open my. Yeah, so it's Tuesday, the tenth, in the Fiesta Room at seven o'clock. Awesome. So there is a there is a the second downtown casino with a grandissimo event there this year. So sorry to derail that. But, no, that you know, was it's, great. I've, if I don't do it, nobody will. That, absolutely, man. It's great. <laughs> All right, um, let's get back on this train. We got a couple more to go. Uh, coins or ticket in, ticket out, Dave. This one seems like a no-brainer. Ticket in, ticket out. Yeah, uh, Chuck. I never gotten a ticket out. <laughs> <laughs> so Chuck is you prefer ticket in? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that's that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, coins are love the nostalgia, but as they said on their show, your hands get covered in grossness. So yeah, it's um, funny because I remember uh, at the D, my wife and I were talking about how when O'Shea switched to ticket in and ticket out, we were both offended. Uh-huh. <laughs> we missed having the coins. I think but a lot now, of people did at first, right? <laughs> yeah. But then you realize it has a lot of benefits. Yeah. Um, real, I don't play really, really play slots, but real slots or video slots, Dave? Video. Chuck. Real. Yeah, I think I'd say real too. I don't. It's not that I, I'm like a video slot hater or I don't trust them, but I just like the real slots for some reason. Uh, there's nothing like uh, watching those things go round and round and round in in real realness, not virtualness. <laughs> uh, okay, another slot question: um, single player or group machines? I don't have a lot of experience with this either, Dave. Huh, I don't know if the group machines thing is even within the bounds of my marriage, so I'm going to say single player, because group machines, that's sounding kind of single player. All right. Chuck, uh, do you like to play group machines? No, I'm a single player, 
but I do like high-fiving grandmas that I don't know. Oh, yeah. So that kind of stuff. Wheelies, like the wheelie slots, not the big wheelies, but, you know, a bank of wheelies where you can cheer and yell for your neighbors. I'm into that, but I don't want to, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't, single player for me, I don't really, when I do play slots, I definitely don't uh, group. I don't group. <laughs> um, temperature, Dave, especially applicable to you, over 100 degrees or under? Preferably under. What about you, Charles? Yeah, well, it's a dry heat. I can take over. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to go with, uh, with over as well. Um, that's something about just getting baked in Las Vegas, and I don't mean... Uh, <laughs> the the uh, marijuana way. Um, I, it's it's something about walking between those places when it's just a thousand degrees outside. Oh it makes man, you feel like you're in the sort of the seventh circle of hell, and I love it. <laughs> um, all right, so Dave, this one will be less applicable to you, but you'll have to just imagine uh, two, three night stays or one long stay. Oh, um, I would say two, three night stays. Yeah, why? Just because the long stay, I think you would go a little bit stir-crazy. Two, three night stays, you still, I mean, the first night is a novelty. Second night, you're kind of saying, yeah, I could get used to that. Third night, you're, okay, let me get out of here. So <laughs> that's two, two three night stays. Um, Chuck, what about you? I turn into a pumpkin after about 36 hours in Las Vegas. So I can divide that up to four, one and a half day stays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think um, I don't have quite the pumpkinitis that you do. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely the two, three-night stays kind of guy as well. Um, definitely want to uh, – over three nights, it gets, I think, a little bit insane. I've done that once or twice, and it, uh, it was not, not good, not pretty. All right. If, now, listen, if it was Macau, I'll take two weeks. What's that's, the difference? Because you jump around from hotel to hotel every day. At least that's what I did the last time. And it's such a bizarre place. You know, you can't – it, it takes two weeks just to get your bearings straight there after all the traveling. And yeah. You lose a day on the beginning and a day and a half at the end. So, Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. All right, last one. All right, great drinks, average bartender, or great bartender, bartender, average drinks. Dave? Uh, I don't drink a ton, but I'm saying, I'm guessing uh, average drinks, great bartender. Yes, I think I do the same thing. What about you, Chuck? I don't really care about the bartender ah i'd rather have great drinks and not talk to the bartender i don't want that i don't i'm antisocial. i want the drink and i want to go do what i want to do i don't want to sit there and talk to a bartender i am torn because i definitely understand where you're coming from on this one like i you know i i not seeking conversation but there is something about um uh i don't mean overly friendly or fake friendly but there's a certain kind of bartender that is just like really awesome um, that uh, are sometimes a lot of fun to talk to, especially in Las Vegas. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm torn on that one. And the kind of stuff that I like to drink, it's mostly they just have to open up the bottle and pour it. So, the, yeah. they can't really, like, you know, straight whiskey can't really be bad, I guess. So, I'm I sure that some place could find a way. Yeah, I guess they could. All right. Um, so, that's our lightning round of questions from our dear friend Stuart. Uh, mm. Is it's sort of interesting. I'm not sure uh, if this experiment worked or not, but um, I learned a few things. I learned that you guys are completely wrong about New York. Times. But, um, you know, it was worthwhile if, if yes. for that reason alone. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Stuart. Thank okay, you, Stuart. back to our previously uh, scheduled programming. Um, 
Let's talk about, let's see, we've got a few things on the schedule here. Let's talk first about SLS, everyone's favorite um, Sahara renovation. And, uh, we saw some interior photos that were posted on Vegastripping.com. Uh, Chuck, why don't you tell us what you posted and why? Uh, well, uh, we have uh, came, come across uh, a slew of interior renderings of... Uh, the SLS uh, includes a nightclub and a public area hallway uh, and a portion of the casino floor that includes the entrance to uh, the forthcoming Bazaar restaurant. Um, post to them because, well, why not? You know, I'm curious what yeah. exactly it is that this place is, is going to look like. You know, Sam Nazarian seems to, SBE, I, I think it's uh, be nice of me to start referring to the company because it's not just him. It kind of is. But, you know, he, they are... Uh, uh, they are prone to describing things in very grand terms. But at the same time, uh, they state that the property is not going to be as grand. It's going to be a little less than grand, one step below grand. So I'm curious, well, what exactly does that mean? Grand light. Grand like. Grand light, yeah. He's also stated that, uh, uh, that there's with the limited budget that they have, that they're going to try and do a lot with a little. So what exactly does a lot with a little mean? So, uh, and I think the renderings show pretty much what a lot with a little is. And it's, if you've been to the SLS hotel in Beverly Hills, it will look somewhat reasonably familiar. Now the renderings, of course, that I posted are... Uh, extremely leveled in Photoshop. They're a lot brighter than what they came as. Right. Uh, they're quite dark, which is true with the SLS there, too. If you thought Aria was dark, this thing is really dark, comparatively. And, uh, dark, you know, we can... Dark hides a lot of problems. Yeah. You know, it, there's... There's, uh, you know, the... The walls, it seems like they're using materials to try and get away from uh, workmanship. And I mean craftsmanship. Like you, you look at the, the recent photos of the, the balloons and stuff in the uh, in, uh, Wynn's atrium. Right. You look and you see those, the gorgeous uh, crown molding that the balloon pops open into towards the windows. It's like it really took people a long time to build that, to craft it to design it, to measure it, cut five times and finish it, polish it, paint it, perfect. You know, that's where a lot of that money went to build this thing. He's got a couple hundred thousand bucks to uh, do the entire hotel. And it seems like a lot of it is going to be white paint, uh, silver paint, um, some basic uh, uh, drop ceilings with a, with, with a similar type of, of square tiling on the walls, uh, and some and judicious use of very large drapes. Uh, As you mentioned, though, I mean, it, is is that going to be a cleaning nightmare? The, the, it would be terrible if you go in there and those things are dirty. Oh yeah, yeah. And well, I'm you thinking know, the, it's a it's a smoke thing too. You know, yeah, just right. Absolutely soak that up. Yeah, good point. That would be a good question to ask. You know, I, I, off the top of my head is uh, Roger Thomas, of course, because they removed the drapes from Encore after. Was it eight months, a Something year? Like that, yeah. They took those things out. And it certainly wasn't because they were in the way. But is there ever drapes 
like a lot of drapes within a casino area. I'm trying to think. I can't really think of one. You yeah. know. No. But now, now the uh, the uh, the uh, the tops of the tables in Bellagio are cloth as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cloth in, inside the Bellagio, but it, nothing that I think comes to the level of what is being proposed if, you, if these renderings come to pass. Yeah, yeah. I thought the other thing that was kind of interesting, too, is it made me think is uh, uh, the language, the artistic language of, of, of the property. You know, it's not, it's not the reinvention that, that, uh, that they say that the property is. Did they find it's, the plans in the grease trap on the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's none of that. You know, they did some 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 things that I could see that people would find this interesting. Gigantic playing cards on the floor demarcate where the casino level is. That's not really a reinvention. No, that's kind of obvious if you think about it. You know, these kinds of ambient signifiers that tell you where things are and where you are in, in a property. You know, there's other ways of doing that. You think of, like, Aria has, like, specific types of lights over where... Uh, uh, lights and the, the poles, the poles where the, where all the retail stuff is, and uh-huh, right. the different types of lights where there's a uh, uh, cash machine, things like that. So you can look up the ceiling. If you start to learn these languages, you learn where all these things are. So this doesn't. Granted, we're only looking at renderings. This stuff isn't really here. It's kind of like one dimensional. But I thought it was interesting to take a look on the inside anyway to see what might possibly be coming. Yeah. No, it's always fascinating. So now I, I'm. I'd like to pose this question to both of you guys, but I'm going to start with you, Chuck. Uh, you know, we've talked about SLS a lot. We've, uh, I think, been somewhat critical about certain ideas, um, and I think at least are approaching it with a healthy dose of skepticism. Yeah. Um, but after seeing more and more stuff, I mean, this is you know the latest in sort of an evolution of materials. Uh, have your feelings changed at all, or, or uh, where are you at with the SLS right now in your head? Um, well, I I don't. I, I'm not skeptical that it's going to happen. It's obviously going to happen. Sure. He's got the money. There's yep. stuff happening. There's yep. bulldozers and whatnot, and obviously there's there's a, a plan in place. Right. You know, the, the the part that I'm skeptical about, which is what we've all been skeptical about since the beginning, and I can still hear the conversation we had on this very podcast all those years ago, is how he's going to be able to get two hundred, three hundred dollar a night rooms there. <laughs> To keep the place afloat, right now. No, it's absolutely still still a that I'm uh, skeptical about. Yeah, and I don't think that's changed for me either. I, I, I it seem, it personally it seems to be shaping up sort of what I would have expected. I would have been surprised to see a rendering that really knocked my socks off, um, and either or in either direction, whether it was like just something that was so new and incredible and beautiful that I my opinion completely changed or something that was so awful that I, uh, you know, couldn't believe that they were even considering it. And it's sort of exact. it was neither of those, those things. It was sort of exactly what I would have expected probably. But, but Dave, I want to hear from you too. Um, you know, you've talked about SLS with us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts on SLS? Are they, where, where are you at with SLS right now? Yeah, I'm still really interested in the whole locals angle. I want to see how, you know, if they're going to do anything operationally or design-wise that would make it easier for locals to get there, you know, or encourage locals to get there. I think that's pretty interesting. You know, it seems it seems to me that they're pretty much going for, as we've said before, the cosmopolitan crowd. 
of people at that, you know, who are aspire to that group. So I want to see if they're able to make this into that kind of aspirational place where people are going to want to go there and say, I, you know, I went to the SLS and that's my proof that I had a good time in Vegas. So a lot of it depends on the marketing. I know he's hired some very smart people. Yeah. So I think if anybody can pull this off, it's a team he has there. You know, the big question for me, you know, is, is this are the strategic ideas good ideas? To me, it's a little bit like City Center, where you can see in hindsight that a lot of the strategic decisions they made were the wrong ones. Yeah. But because they've got a good team, they're executing it well, and the property's doing well today, a couple years after it opened. But, you know, and we've second-guessed the City Center a lot. You know, I'm wondering if this is going to be the same thing, where maybe five years from now we'll say, well, yeah, the property's doing now well, but they had to adjust X, Y, Z. Right because the original premises were, were not, uh, were flawed. I would be, I mean, you know, I would be very surprised if they didn't have to adjust a lot of stuff. And I don't mean that as a knock on them. I mean, it's just the way these things go. Um, you know, no plan survives the enemy, right? It's like uh, <laughs> these things fall apart almost instantly. Um, the, your assumptions are quite often just not in line with reality, and hopefully they're not too far off. But I'm sure they're going to have to tweak some stuff. I just, you know, I still look at this from, through the same lens, which is they have these incredibly tough business problems to solve, right? A, a location which I know they say is great, I don't agree. Um, and bringing people into that market, to that location, when uh, you know you've got the Fountain Blue there, which is like basically a, a giant, you know, uh, a giant stop sign for people yeah. walking down that direction, uh, it's going to be really tough. If they do it, I will be very. If they pull it off and are hugely successful, I'll be very impressed. Uh, well, you know, there is some degree of precedent. If you think about the Palms, yeah, you know, which was also hindered by location. Uh, and the lack of a verifiable database. You know, Maloof managed through uh, dedication, marketing, and MTV to create a buzz that overwrote all of that. You know, yeah. Palms was the it place for right. you know, three or four yeah. solid years. That was the place in town. Right. So it's not impossible... So I guess if you sort of flip this around, right? So instead of it being on the ghetto end of the strip, instead it's like you don't even really think of it as a strip. It's got a strip address, but it's its own little oasis and island. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. People's uh, flirtations with the it place are very fleeting, right? I mean, it doesn't last very long. And what, it's, what is it now? The Cosmopolitan, maybe? I mean, that that's probably waning to some degree. They, they um, got lucky because they're the last big property to open, so they probably... Uh, got a little bit of extra mileage out of that but by the time this place opens if everything falls the right way it's maybe they could cap put you know capture that lightning in a bottle and who knows maybe we will see uh, real world 2016 at sls i would not be surprised to see them i mean i know i know they've done vegas twice now right they did a hard rock and it didn't they yeah. didn't, it didn't have quite as big of an impact at least as far as i could tell um on the sort of the zeitgeist of the world but i wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened again at sls yeah all right, SLS. Moving on, <laughs> moving on. We're going to go from one extreme end of the strip to the other and talk about the Delano. Um, Delano is taking over for the hotel. Uh, it's been sort of a protracted uh, experience here as um, uh, things have been delayed and uh, taken longer than we were expecting. But now, due to some 
uh, leaky pipes at uh, MGM um, <clears throat> MGM's uh, <coughs> renderings department. Um, we were we were, we got some we got a look at uh, at some photos of uh, of the Delano project, some room interior photos. Um, and Chuck, this also was something you posted on Vegas Tripping. Very cool. I you know I I. The hotel I thought was you. Uh, you, I think you. Um, I'm. Blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> ah, I should think, we play the theme song now? I think so. I think uh, what you wrote actually, you sort of said something that I was thinking but didn't articulate, which was it. It the hotel didn't really get its place in the sun for all that long, right? It was a f- cool place when it opened. It was interesting. Mean, they were doing some interesting all-sweet product stuff. I thought the rooms were nice, but it was sort of quickly eclipsed by other stuff that was opening shortly thereafter. And so I, I think it's done fine for them as far as I know, but it was never, it didn't have, it didn't get to sit on top of the, uh, the pyramid all that long. Um, so it was definitely way overdue for some kind of refurbishment, right? Um, those rooms were getting a little old. And uh, the, I personally, I mostly think those renderings look really promising. Um, I like the understated sort of simple look of this stuff. Uh, you know, not everybody can do the crazy flourishes of a, of a Roger Thomas, right? Some people have to, <clears throat> if, if you can't, uh, don't, 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 go, don't go for that style if you can't pull it off 100%. And I think this is, you know, really simple and clean and very um, South Beachy. I don't know. I thought they were cool. What do you think? I, I, you know, when I first looked at the renderings, I, I kind of had a uh, similar reaction to the folks who posted the comments. It was like, yeah, eh, mm. but the more I looked at it and the more I studied it, the more it kind of started to make sense to me. And I've, I've, after studying it and looking at it quite a bit, I think that they've come up with quite a dramatic product here particularly in relation to what they had to work with. The previous designs of the hotel, those suites are actually pretty big. But when you're in there, as you guys probably remember, it felt really small, cluttered. They were, yeah, well, like, they, were, like, they were just, they were really deep, but not very wide, right? I mean, yeah. There's strange, yeah. strange use of the square foot. You could almost reach, you could almost reach from wall to wall. Yep. You know, if you stuck <laughs> your hands out far enough. Right. But that's because they were, there was... Like way too many chairs, way too many lamps and tables and plants and big <laughs> plants and big stuff. Is really it was filled with grand furnishings and it made the room seem very very small. And they've done the exact opposite with this design. Uh, you know, it's got these wall to floor to ceiling button pleated. Uh, things that look like a series of vaginas sitting on top of each other, <laughs> and there's gold fixtures and gold things which like harken the outside of the building inside, and in the bedroom it's got this subtle chrome wireframe chair which which sort of talks to the uh, to the wireframe table in the living room a little bit, you know. So it's got like this interplay of design that's that's really kind of fascinating. But there's two pieces in there that don't necessarily make sense to me. The couch and this gorgeous Dutch mid-century modern chair. Like they look to me like this is Don Draper. I thought they were going to go Draper with this thing. But they didn't. They went very sort of austere. But there's this frumpy, big, frumpy, super padded couch and this very masculine leather chair in the middle of a very delicate, uh, 
clean, austere sensibility in the room. I think that uh, they didn't fully get it absolutely right, but you know, a couch is really for plopping on at the same point. So I'm like, okay, maybe I do get this a little bit more. The bedroom is more feminine and the, the living room is a little bit more masculine, but I think they did a great job in, in designing by subtraction compared to what they previously had. Yeah. And the product itself, you know, we'll see how well it, it resonates with people with the Delano name, but in terms of just a, a straight up suite, it's simple, but it's pretty classy. I, you know, I think part of one of the, one of the things I like is just the color scheme in general. Going lighter, I, you know, I think it was really successful at Win, um, and I, I like it here too. Uh, you know, there's too many rooms out there that uh, were way too dark. What the hell's going on? We're in a wind tunnel? I don't know. What is that? What? We got some noise. Lots of huh. noise. Uh, now it's gone. Uh, ask, oh. ask what, you shall receive. I don't know. It was. I don't know. Like, it did sound like a wind tunnel. Anyway, I thought, I thought Dave was unloading the groceries from the car. <laughs> no, I didn't do that at all. That <laughs> was weird. It's, yeah, it was momentary. Anyway, um, I like I like the light color scheme. I think it re- it really works for me. Um, and yeah. I, not necessarily like I'm saying everybody should do it, but I think this is a good example of it working out well. Uh, Dave, I don't know. Do you, any thoughts on Delano? I mean, this is in some ways this is just another sort of. You know, helicopter hotel brand coming in to make a couple bucks in Las Vegas. I don't think it's yeah. going to change the world. I think you know. I I hope that they looked at Four Seasons and saw what what they did, which they also went for this more streamlined look. So it's very interesting, and I want to know if they if they looked at that, if they considered that at all, because clearly these are the two boutique properties at. Mandalay, and uh, you know, I just think it looks—you know—it looks like nice to me. Not sure how easy it's going to be to keep all that white stuff clean. Yep, that can yep. be the issue. Yep, and the uh, the uh, coffee table looks a little bit fragile to me. But yep. besides that, it's kind of cool. And I agree. You know, just looking at that at that first picture, I agree with Chuck about the couch and the chair not really being in, in place there. So it's very very interesting. Would have, would have liked to see more rounded things in that couch and in that chair. You know, yeah, it should be kind of a rounded thing instead of that cool, yeah. angular big thing. But it looks like a comfortable chair to collapse into. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I can't say that I'm super excited to book a room or anything, but I think it looks like a nice upgrade. And uh, I don't know. I would definitely check it out if the circumstances uh, aligned. Yeah, and it seems like for, you know, they're going to get some probably get a lot of convention business there for the more, sure, right. you know, the executives staying there and the stuff. So yeah, I think I'd like to see how they position it, but it looks like they've got a really good place to start. Yeah, I agree. Looks like a good upgrade to me. Yeah. Um, Alright, so from a project that I uh, wouldn't mind staying in to a absolute ghetto. Um, <laughs> I, I understand that construction on Shantytown has begun at Bally's. Um, the Grand Bazaar um, uh, you know, this is something we talked about before, them building this shop, shopping situation out front. Um, you know, as we see more renderings, it just gets worse. Uh, it, in, in my opinion, it's just like the ugliest thing ever. And uh, nothing I've seen has changed that. Um, though, uh, you know, the Easter egg in this set of renderings that you discovered, Chuck, was <laughs> it's just incredible. So I, I don't want to spoil it, though. So what, what, what was on that image? Well, how do I say this without spoiling it? Because <laughs> so you know, oftentimes when when companies release renderings for retail things, they put in names of shops on top of the storefronts, 
Uh, I believe that the original Link renderings had an Apple logo on one of them and some other popular brands to try and say these are the sorts of customers that this property will attract. Uh, I noticed when I was looking at these renderings which were put on the Grand Bazaar Shops website a few days ago, uh, I cleaned my glasses and I looked at it and I saw this little teeny weeny little sign on the top of the one shop that said G-E-T T-O-W. <laughs> and I zoomed in. I'm like, well, is that a W or an M? Because, you know, my eyes aren't <laughs> the greatest. So I got into Photoshop and I zoomed that thing in and zoomed it in again. Computer, zoom in on sign. Is <laughs> CSI that enhance. Exactly. Bloop, 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 bloop. And alas, it does say G-E-T-T-O-W. Which, of course, the you pronounce... As ghetto, <laughs> right? Now, what would a ghetto possibly be? Order a tow truck service while you're walking down the strip one day? Hmm, I don't think so. So could it possibly be that the artist who, who, who did these renderings knows that this project really is a ghetto uh, shopping mall, cheap, on the cheap building of a... Of a you know, whatever, some nonsense to sell some solar panel keychains. Who, I mean, seriously, <laughs> who thought this was a good idea? You were literally building, like, the Hawaiian marketplace, which is pretty lame on its own. You're building, like, a slightly bigger version in front of valleys. People already hate having that you have to trek all the way back there to get into the casino. And now they're going to have to go through this place. And you know there's going to be, like, a million timeshare dudes that live there that are jumping out from behind little podiums saying, like, do you want to go to the Grand Canyon? Uh, it's it's going to be awful. It's literally going to, they're turning this into a wasteland. And not only that, it is so fucking ugly. It is so <laughs> ugly. I'm sorry. It really is. It is so ugly. I cannot believe that they're actually doing this. When this first came up, I thought it was a joke or yeah. just not real. It wasn't going to happen. It's yeah. happening. They're definitely doing this. It's yeah. going to be terrible. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, but- <laughs> Dave, you, Dave, you actually made a really good point, which is, you know, vis-a-vis Link, what is this going to do to their, their traffic flow? Yeah, yeah, and I've been discussing this with a couple other people. I really wanted to write a nice uh, blog post or article for Vegas 7 about this, but I just haven't had the time. So we'll, we'll, I'll share it now. Um, remember a year ago or whatever when we first heard about this, I ran down the six strategic mistakes with this project? Yes. Yeah. Remember that? The location, not, not utilizing the fountains and all that? It's like, man, this is just getting worse and worse, and I don't believe they're going ahead with it. I really think this is handicapping Link, you know, because they use the same exact statistic, and I know the study that this comes from saying that there's 20 million people a year walk past that intersection, and kind of, if I, I was thinking about writing, I was writing the article in my head, and I was going to call it Schrodinger's Pedestrian. <laughs> Because if they go to one, they're not going to the other. So they can't simultaneously be at Link and at the Grand Bazaar. And it just seems to me, you know, where they've, I know they've done a very good job with Link of integrating it into Total Rewards. And they've, you know, this is really, even though it's not managed by the company, this was really a company project where they're heavily invested. I just don't, I didn't see the financials for this, but it looks like it's run by this outside company and they do have a share. I don't see why you would try to do something like this that could even even if it just sucks away 10% of the people it who would be going no to link sense. it makes no I mean, why would you do it, it because i no know sense. they've worked really hard to get everything integrated in there and they've they've really you know literally 
I'm not going to say they're betting the company in Link, but they're certainly betting the performance of that section of their Las Vegas. Well, and Link, yeah. Link, they, Link looks good. Like I, All signs does. point to Link as a thing that's going to work out. How did the same company... How are the, how how is this the same company doing both of these things? It's well, like it makes no sense. The other I was going to point to this, you know, I was going to I have two points I want to make here. First of all, it's the bigger problem of kind of of a failure to think big and not seeing the big picture, which is the exact opposite thing you would expect from a big company. You know, it's the same problem as City Center, where when they designed it, they put the Mandarin Oriental next to Monte Carlo and not Bellagio. Right. Because when they planned it, they're just like, all right, we've got this big chunk of land, you know, 76 acres or whatever. Let's just start putting stuff here without thinking of, huh, well, what else is in the neighborhood and how does it interact? Same thing with this, where it's going to make, you know, as opposed to what was there, it's going to produce more revenue per square foot. Sure. But well, it, was a, it was a piece of weeds and yeah. like some ducks and some water. When you look at the whole portfolio, I don't see how it makes sense. So I don't know how, I don't know what there's, what, what kind of, how they strategize stuff there, but I don't see how you don't consider this. You know, first you look at it, it's, you know, is it viable on its own? That next, is it viable within the property? Third step should be, how does it help the portfolio? And if it doesn't help the portfolio, it doesn't go. So, I, you know, maybe they've had these conversations and they're just way smarter than me. Nah. Back, back in 2005, I would, have, I would have assumed that. Since then, I'm, I'm not so sure. So, I, to me, this, this project has a lot of challenges. It is baffling to me. It really is terrible. Um, you look at it in contrast to what is being proposed down um, at the Tropicana, right? They're remaking... Uh, this wasn't on our list, but you know, important story, interesting story. They're remaking their you know entrance area uh, with some shopping. It's going to actually result in it looks like quite a few changes to that to that side of the site plan. Um, and, but you know, to me, that seems like it makes good sense, right? That that one seems to really be well thought out, um, and this is the antithesis of that. I yeah. I don't know. And you know, as maligned as it is, the Treasure Island shops is the same way. For them, it's a zero sum game. Every dollar that somebody spends on their property or near their property is a dollar that they're not spending with a competitor, and it gets them that many that steps that much closer to their restaurants and the stuff that they own and the casino. You know, so for Trop and Treasure Island, they're going to do whatever they can to get there. The, the The rest of the market, the companies that have these bigger portfolios, they have to be very careful. I think MGM's done a good job of countering Link with the park if that goes as it's planned. That, to me, that makes a ton of sense. But, you know, you've got... The other point I wanted to make is that we're, you really see the Vegas, how Vegas works in a lot of ways. We saw the upscale room wave that we're at the tail end of the nightclub wave. Yeah. And now we're in the early part of the shopping, the retail wave, you know, the strip side retail. So it'll be interesting to see how this, you know, what happens when this passes. Uh, you know, uh I, so, I've, so <laughs> clearly, I'm not a fan. But um, <laughs> just thinking, um, thinking in an alternate universe for a minute. So if if I if I was in charge of this and I had rejected the refugee camp look of this place, um, and I was going to do something else, what would I do? Uh, how would you use this land? Um, what would you build there instead? Right? What would you do? Uh, uh, restaurants, dining, some kind of dining situation. I mean, it is it is hard to forget that the view right across is this incredible, you know, attraction that your competitor built that you have equal access to. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Chuck? What would you put in that space instead? What what can you imagine that would go there besides shanty town? 
I would build phase one casino podium with shops, dining, upstairs, whatnot, and some hotel rooms over the top of it, of what eventually is going to take the rest of the ballets thing out and extend back behind Paris. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. I would start right there and say, you know what, the plan is, is we're going to start with this. We're going to build whatever it is, a cosmopolitan-style mini thin tower, pow, right up to the sky. Then you got the, you're booking with, with the, uh, you know, at the greatest intersection, hotel rooms right on that, dining right on top of it. And then you go little by little as you need. You connect the thing to the other casino and all the other crap in the back and then start destroying bits and pieces from the back. So I, it's interesting. Yeah, I definitely get the impression that, that the bizarre thing is, is very temporary, right? Like it, it could yeah. be demolished well. at any time. Well, I'm sure they have leases and stuff, but they're not they're not sinking uh, you know py- pylons into the ground and oh. building a you know yeah. two hundred thousand room tower. They but bought this the materials at the IKEA in Covina, I think. These oh, pi- cool. pipes, it looks. <laughs> you know, um, and I've said this before, and I know I've said this in the show before, but you know, back when I was doing some research, I was looking at the about, uh, I guess with Hilton Hotels annual reports, they talked about the walkway, and this is when Bellagio was opening, and they said, you know, we're going to do this, so this is like maybe 97. Okay, we're going to do this temporary walkway here over the parking lot, yeah, right. and then we're going to do this, you know, there's going to be a permanent installation there, it's going to be phenomenal, it will compete directly with the Bellagio, and you know, 20 years later, 15 years later, we still have the temporary fix, so this yeah. could be there for a while. Oh, I, I, I don't, yeah, so <laughs> I, it definitely could be there for a while, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. not, but it's, they're also not building anything that's so permanent that they wouldn't think twice about tearing it down if they had a better idea. Where are they going to get the money anyway? Uh, you know, Caesars. Yeah, I mean yeah. that. You know, they seem to find it when they need it. Yeah. I don't know. I think this thing sucks, and I, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, it's the worst thing I've seen on this trip as in terms of if it looks like it's planned, it's the. Worst thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I'll just say I've got major questions about the strategy behind it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very diplomatic answer. Yeah. Uh, it's, it feels unsafe to me. Hmm. You know? What do you mean? I don't know if I'd want to go in there. I feel like it's like a place where you're going to get pickpocketed. Oh, totally. I totally you know? get that vibe, for sure. It feels I don't like even like walking through that plaza. It gets sort of like lawless and like just... Yeah. Like, yeah. Ugh. I was also trying to figure out how they're going to handle... Uh, pedestrian flow into Bally's while they're constructing it. Like, Bally, is Bally's just going to have, like, the worst ingress and egress of all of the entire strip while this is going on? It seems like that... What, are you going to have people walk on the sidewalk or something? I mean, it, it seems like it's going to be pretty disruptive to people that are staying there. I mean, it already was kind of a drag to have to walk, you know, two football fields to get to the hotel. Um, and now it's, it seems like it's going to be even worse while they're building this thing. All right. Uh, so, Grand Bazaar is bizarre, but we'll see. Um, moving next on. Oh, oh boy. This was a great story. <laughs> great story. Um, so I, I didn't know that this was happening until I started, I was on Twitter, you know, I was following <laughs> Howard Stutz, RJ reporter, and he was live tweeting. I think he was watching a feed. I think, uh, this may have been in Carson city, mm-hmm. um, of a licensing hearing for Mr. Tim poster. So for those that are not, 
the Don't Recall Tim poster with his good friend uh, Tom Breitling were um, owners of the Golden Nugget for some time before they sold it to uh, <clears throat> to the current uh, to the current folks. And then since then, they had stints at uh, at Wynn Resorts. And then um, now Breitling is doing Ultimate Gaming, which is the poker uh, company that he's doing with the station folks. And Tim Poster is in for some licensing stuff. And man, did this uncover all kinds of Answered a lot of questions, I think, that some of us have been asking. Like, where did he go? He sort of vanished. Quickly. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, it wasn't an accident. Uh, it, this was just fascinating. Um, but, Dave, I'm hoping that you can uh, fill it. I, I'm worried I'm going to get this completely wrong. So I, I'm, you were, did you follow this story at all? I mean, you, did, you I were did, yeah. Trees. Can you give yeah. us a quick overview of what, uh, of what we saw? Yeah, I mean, pretty much there were allegations that he was betting with offshore Sports betting sites. Didn't and he admit that? I mean, they're really. He did, that. and yeah. he, well, and did he know it was illegal? And did he right. not know it was illegal? Right. You know what? And, and those sorts of things. There's also questions about the Rizzolo relationship, which I don't think factored into this because apparently he did cut ties when they asked him to. Oh, that one seemed like no big deal. Like that was the yeah. warm up. <laughs> but then they got him. into. It's you know, it's it's kind of puzzling. You know, as somebody. Having sat there and listened to attorneys explain the licensing process, it's very invasive. You know, having talked to investigators, it is extremely invasive. The thing is that he had been through this once already. And he knew that they were going to be asking for every check stub, you know, every canceled check, looking at every transaction that he had done. So it it really makes you wonder what's going on there and why somebody would would make these decisions when they know that this is going to be happening, you know. Now, if this had happened, if he had been working in another industry and this had happened there, if he was, you know, a trader in London or something like that and he was doing this, it might be like, well, it's no big deal. It's the kind of thing that we have, you know, we have the gaming here legally and it's a gray area. But the fact that he had been a licensee and knows what the grounds for suitability are, it's, it, it raises some questions, to say the it's least. Proving Sheldon Allison's point, right? It's these uh, well, sites are so, uh, <laughs> are getting, get their hooks into you so deeply that you can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a stretch, but I, it yeah. was... It was amazing. I mean, you're right. It really does make you wonder because as I started reading these, and I was like, "Well," and I think he's talking about using someone else's account to do the betting, and like, it's just like, "Wow, how did you not know that the hole you were digging here?" I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, it kind of it, it really is, and I somehow feel that there's some piece of this story that we don't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, this I don't like know. This, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he was in January, right? It's January, less than a year ago, he was appointed to be COO of Wynn mm-hmm. Resorts, correct? Was it just Wynn Las Vegas? I think it was the property. Wynn but Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah. It was which, is still a, so, which, is, which is still like the absolute dream job absolutely. in this industry, I think. Especially for him, too, right? I guess yeah. the vibe is super, you know, that that is like his dream job. Right. Yeah. And within, what, two months? Something like or that. Was it less yeah. than that? It was very quick. All of a sudden, he's gone and vanished. Vanished. Yeah. And he'd been working for Wynn since, what, 2000? Right before Encore opened. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. a while. It was right before Encore opened that he started working there. And the fact that that this has happened so quickly, obviously, his resignation from Wynn had everything to do with that he knew he was going to get screwed. Yeah. That he had done things, he had bet offshore gaming and and he says one thing like 
I thought it was legal as long as it wasn't, as long as it was offshore, that betting on sports offshore was legal, but not if it was in the country. I have a hard time he, on the internet. That he thought like, that, that was legal. The guy so who tried sold to sold his internet business, like clearly a sophisticated guy. Right. I I don't know. I have a hard time personally believing. Like I, that doesn't quite smell right to me. Again, it's no. very it's very difficult for that anybody in the state of Nevada would believe that it is legal to place a bet in the state of Nevada at a place that's not licensed by the state of Nevada. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that he tried to play this ignorance thing, like oh I didn't know. Like, that's the worst defense possible. Obviously, he, was, he thought that he'd just skate through this. Right. Because there's no real major preparation. Well, like, I that's mean, not, shouldn't be your, oh, you, is, an, is an accident? Don't you think as a previous licensee, the reason you would use someone else's account and computer is so that you could make bets without getting caught? <laughs> exactly. And $100,000 on the Super Bowl. Yeah. <sighs> you know? Like, he could have gone over to, to, to LVH and put that kind of action down, Right. It's it's hard to understand though. The I, I wish I wish that we did have more information about this story and let's get really him on the call, man. Motivation. I yeah. think if he was able, I think if he was in a place where he could tell the story honestly, it would be a fascinating one. Absolutely. And in you know, I'm not sure what kind of light it would put on Las Vegas, but it would be from a personal standpoint, it'd be a fascinating story. I you know I hope this guy works this stuff out. I think he's me too. I think he's a smart guy. Um, yeah. From what I know about him, seems like he has a ton of potential to do a lot more really great stuff in Las Vegas. So I hope that he can figure this out and isn't you know sort of blacklisted from the industry forever. I noticed they ended the hearing in, in procedurally in a way that he could potentially reapply. Like he didn't you know basically. I guess there's two ways that they could have. They didn't vote to give him the license. They didn't right? deny him the right, license. Exactly. So he still has the opportunity to come back in the future and figure this out. But um, wow. Yeah, it was dramatic. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy story. It's, it's amazing the divergent paths that these two guys have taken. Yeah. Tim mm-hmm. and Tom. So it's funny. I just, just not, you know, not knowing them at all, really. I think I know them mostly from that TV show, the way they appeared. And then we had Tom on the show, which when he mm-hmm. was doing his book, um, I always get the, I always got the impression that Tom was sort of the more buttoned up by the rules kind of guy, and that uh, Poster was more of the like, you see what happens, you know, let, <laughs> let the chips fall where they may kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what I'm basing that on, but it's really interesting to see this play out, given that's the sort of the reading I always had on the two of those guys. Yeah, and I've got, you know, I don't want to do any shameless self-promotion here, but I've got to think there's some parallels with another famous figure from Las Vegas' past who struggled yeah, with true. certain demons in that way. And it's kind of, you know, un- unfortunately, that's, you kind of need that in the industry to an extent. Right. You need somebody with that who has that insight to have the creativity to make to to make those jumps. But you know, clearly, this is not someone who they could give a license to. <laughs> so under those. Situations. So yeah. So how would the how would they vote on Sarno's licensing today? I don't. Well, he was betting legally yeah. at other casinos, so I don't know if they would have a big problem. You know, they definitely they got they actually did kick him out of circus for a couple months because he was doing some funny stuff with the finances and he was selling interest in the property without vetting it with, with them first. So, I mean, yeah, they did kind of crack down on them, but eventually they let him back in because he did turn over a new leaf. So, you know, yeah, this would have been a challenge back then too. Yeah. It's crazy. Just the picture I painted of Sarno in the book makes me, 
and just the current climate. Well, let, let's just say I don't think he should have applied in New Jersey. Yeah. I don't think that yeah. would have gone very far. I don't know. This Tim Poster story was just really fascinating. I, you know what's interesting? After Howard did the tweeting stuff, but I didn't see him write it up. I wonder if he's going to do it for Sunday maybe or something. He did write it up. Oh, I miss it. Okay. He did write it up. All yeah. right. Well, then I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. I missed the article. Um, but uh, wow, it was a fascinating story. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit more before we go today. So, um, Dave, you wrote a piece for Vegas 7 about uh, talking about the period of time where we saw MGM Grand, Luxor, and Treasure Island open in the early 90s. Uh, I thought it was a great piece. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you wrote? Um, and we can talk about it a little bit. Thanks. In this two-month period in from October to December of... 1993, the entire strip changed. And I was aware that we were coming up on the 20th anniversary of this. And it's funny because a couple of things are just, have become the accepted wisdom, which is that, well, we only did the family-friendly stuff for a while. It was a big mistake. And, you know, we're so far away from it. It really doesn't mean anything. And we've completely reinvented the city. So what, what I wanted to do was to write a feature piece that would kind of examine these openings in the context of what they were then, and talk about where we are now. And I found that even though a lot of the more obvious stuff isn't around, the influence is still with us today, and it's really a much bigger part of the city today than we admit. And it, what 1993 was, you can make an argument, and I looked at the numbers, statistically, this was the biggest increase in people coming to Las Vegas ever, if you look at it proportionally yeah. or in absolute numbers. It's a, just a huge number. So, you know, 20% more people visited Las Vegas in 1994 than 1993. So it just had a huge impact, and it really opened up the door for everything else. If they hadn't have gone upscale in the late 90s, I think this would still be the paradigm today to to an extent. So it's it's just fascinating to me. It's interesting. I think of sort of the the Strip's recent development, like the rocket ship takes off in the Mirage era, um, and then I would have probably, if I was recanting this to somebody, I would have said, yeah, and then around like 97, 98, 99, the you know, second stage kicks in and you go into these luxury <laughs> properties. But it really is important to, I, you know, I was thinking of the early 90s wave as sort of, you know, just part of that initial mirage thrust. But it really is something different and separate and incredibly important. Yeah, and especially MGM Grand, you had, and that property has been so thoroughly reimagined. It's amazing. But if you look at what it was originally, it was something that they never would try today. It was just totally different. There's a great, there's some great art in there of the original Wizard of Oz uh, thing there, which is where the centrifuge is now. Right. It's just, it's just incredible. And probably the best part of it for me was a chance to go back into the archives and read all the press releases and read all of the material, you know, saying what's going to happen. It was just incredible. The the emphasis they put on all the family-friendly aspects. So even though they'll say, well, no, we were never family-friendly, we never deliberately catered to families, uh, you know, I mean, when you've got the CEO saying we're now doing something that's going to reach out to the family audience, it's hard to dispute that. So it's, it's interesting, and I think it's still with us. And the best part about it is I got to reference the Vegas gang in the... Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah. Uh, so, Chuck, I have a question for you. Given how important this was in sort of the development of the Strip, and given where these properties are now, right, it's really interesting to see. MGM Grand has been reborn, as Dave, you mentioned. Um, Treasure Island is going through an interesting phase right now, and Luxor sort of, I would, I would argue, sputtered a little bit. 
Um, what does that say about where we're going? Uh, you know, is um, could we look at these guys as important signs of the future, or um, is this an era that's just passed us by? I think time will always win, no matter what it is. Time and trends and what people are interested in. What you liked 10 years ago is not what you like now. And that's true with culture and individuals. You know, as we all get older, we grow to like different things. And as the culture changes, people like different things too. Like Dave was uh, mentioning before how we're coming to the close of the nightclub boom and the beginning of the uh, the retail boom. You know, these things constantly go. They come and they go. And a place like Luxor, as groovy as it was way back when, you know, they're all going to have their moment in the sun and eventually the sun will set upon them. So it's just the process of everything. Yeah. It is, um, it is given that context, though, it is impressive that MGM Grand has managed to reinvent itself in that way where it is still, I think, by many considered to be a contender for a lot of the important stuff that's happening on the Strip, right? I mean, they've got some really high-end rooms there. They've got mm-hmm. a new, really popular nightclub, and they have an impressive stable of restaurants, too. So perhaps that's the example of de-theming yeah. as a success mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's, to it some is, people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's yeah. pretty dramatic what they've been able to accomplish over there. Um. All right, I think we've done enough for today. I have one last thing in here that I'm going to mostly skip over because it's not really that interesting. But you know, one of the one of my favorite ways to get um, interesting casino info is to read the management presentations that these guys post on their websites. Um, and this week we saw one from both Caesars and from MGM, and not a lot of revelations in there. Um, you know, they're still referring to uh, bills as bills, so that you know that doesn't look like that's changed too much. And they talked about. Link opening, uh, big grand opening in Memorial Day of next year. So a little bit of info spills out occasionally, but mostly between these uh, between these two PowerPoint decks, and you know what we see from the NSA has been in the news with Edward, Edward Snowden leaking all these PowerPoint decks. What I want to understand is, in the era of you know sort of Steve Jobs minimalism presentations, how are these guys so bad at making PowerPoints? These are like the world's ugliest PowerPoints. Way too much stuff on every slide, like these ugly graphics. It's just terrible. I, I don't, you know, they, they have no no pride in their in their PowerPointage. The, the MGM one spelled Caesars with an apostrophe. Yes, I mean, it did. I was like, ah, what is going on here? Yeah. So yeah, I just want to say, whoever's in charge of these powerpoints, they really need to step up their game because it's you know people are reading these things. They're they're just no good. They got to work harder. Well, you would think that. The people who operate these these businesses are fully aware of their competition and and the industry and the history and the way things work. But they're product managers. Yep, they could work for Bank of America. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah, they're just putting together a presentation. That's you know, true. It was, it's yeah, you, every week I think about the old uh, the strip podcast interview with Jim Murren. Right, where he said that he never walked in to win. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? This is this is the this is corporate culture. From the top to the bottom, it's a lot of this. Now granted not everybody's that way. People, there's a lot of people who just love this business and love everything about it and, and are the best at what they do. But those right. presentations do kind of stuck. And you'll also know that MGM thinks that theirs are the tits compared to Caesars, because theirs look a little more 
key, a key, yeah. uh, keynote like. There's there's less <laughs> like stock graphic arrows and these really ugly transitions and stuff. But yes, yeah. uh, they still none none of these casino companies do a great job in that. I mean, the win ones, you know, wins win a company known for great design, not great PowerPoint presentations. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's my complaint of the day is these guys and the the apostrophe really just drove me over the edge, and that's why <laughs> I put this in there. Yeah. yeah. All right. That is it for today. Uh, you're going to hear from us again soon with some interview episodes that will be uh, coming out over the next couple of weeks. So, um, you know, don't despair. We'll be there. Uh, give the gift of Vegas Gang for Christmas. Buy an iPod loaded load up with us. And uh, <laughs> what else could anybody want? Uh, I know Hanukkah's already underway, but, uh, you know, you'll hear this and maybe uh, it's still some time to make that happen, too. So, um, and I don't, I don't understand. I'm not sure if there are gifts at Kwanzaa, but if there are, Vegas Gang, baby. Um, all right, so we are going to do our sure bet segment, which is a, our recommendations. We get a chance to recommend stuff to you guys that we think is cool um, that we, you might want to check out. So, Dave, do you have a uh, recommendation for us today? I do. It's just something cool that I saw on TV. It uh, there's this Sham-wow. series, no <laughs> series called Classic Albums, and they're showing it on BBC. And I was just kind of flipping around in the guide, and I said, "Huh, that's cool." And I was watching the one, I got about halfway through the one for Queen and Night at the Opera. It was really neat, you know, just having them talk about the creative process and how they put the songs together. Just really cool and gave me a new appreciation for that. And I've got a couple of them that I DVR'd. So that's kind of what, to the extent that I have any spare time, I'll be spending some of it watching those. Right on. Cool. Very good. Uh, Charles, anything you want to share? Yeah, real quick. Uh, there's a band that I really like. They've been around for a while. They're called the Octopus Project. They're from Austin, Texas. It's kind of, they call it Indietronica, I guess. Oh, okay. But it's somewhere like a sort of upgraded and dirty and kind of groovier Stereo Lab. So if you like Stereo Lab, but it's also got this uh, avant garde minimalist composer thing going on with it also. So it's like a little craft worky, a little uh, Philip, Philip Glass, Steve Reich, Terry Riley kind of minimalist, hypnotic thing going on. But they're dirty and kind of fun and silly and a little J pop ish. But they're called the Octopus. Project, the Octopus Project. Right on. Is that something that is uh, on iTunes at all? Can I link to it? Absolutely. There's okay. tons of it on iTunes. All right, cool. I will link to that then so people can check it out. Any particular album or song people should look for? Oh, boy. Well, you know, I'd say get the most recent one. I don't remember what it's called. but okay. uh, That's good advice. All right, yeah. right on. Cool. Um, I'm going to talk about something uh, called an eye beacon. So... <laughs> iBeacons, I think, are uh, have the potential to be really interesting, and maybe and uh, definitely relate to Las Vegas if somebody was going to implement them. Um, yeah, this is one of those things where I I see, uh, I, I'm sure many people would say would see the same thing. It's not some revelation, but see a um, a very unique opportunity with this new technology in especially in casinos. So iBeacons is something that Apple introduced as part of iOS seven, and basically. The reason that iBeacons exist is because, you know, location services are becoming more and more important. You know, many apps use them to do all kinds of cool things, but they don't really work very well indoors, right? They usually rely on GPS signals primarily for accuracy, but inside buildings, especially inside a huge Las Vegas casino, you really lose a lot of that accuracy, and it's really hard to figure out when you're, you know, say, standing in front of the buffet versus standing at the front desk. And so iBeacons is a technology that is designed to solve that problem. And there are these tiny little Bluetooth sensors that you put inside your building. 
And then devices like the iPhone have the ability to figure out where you are inside. So you can, you could, for instance, build a next generation Bellagio app that could tell whether you were at the buffet versus in the conservatory versus at the front desk and then enable certain features or give you better directions or all kinds of cool stuff. Um, there's a, an article about a bar, I think it was in London, or a, a pub, I should say, uh, that had set these up and they had done a deal with a magazine company. So if you were sitting in the bar with your iPad or iPhone, you got free access to a magazine that ordinarily would have cost a few bucks. So it's, it's this um, continuation of better location technologies. And I've got these, are hard, these hardware sensor things. I've got a few that I've been playing with. Um, so I'm really interested to see where this stuff goes. Uh, and Apple deployed them in their own stores this week. So now if you go to an Apple store and you have their app, you can, uh, it will prompt you when you're in certain parts of the store for various things if you want it to. It's, I think it's really interesting to see how this stuff is going to progress, especially when we talk about casinos um, in Vegas and elsewhere. There's a lot of potential. Uh, traditionally, these guys haven't been super fast about rolling this stuff out, but uh, I'm hoping we'll see some of this stuff in the future. So I'm definitely keeping mm. my eye on it. Very interested to see where it goes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Are we gonna have Are we gonna have an eye beacon martini? Uh, you know, <laughs> I I I was uh, I was thinking when we we were you know kicking around some Vimp ideas, uh, talking about potentially 2014, and who mm. knows, maybe there'll be some eye beacons in a in a Vimp uh, in a Vimp related uh, activity. We shall we shall see. Lots to talk about. Eye beacon and eggs. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Can- Canadian eye beacon. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, beacon hun dog. Hmm, not sure if that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, those out there in the world, please go ahead and rate the show on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. We really appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind doing that, um, five, five stars, yo. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Uh, you can go to VegasGangPodcast.com to leave comments about the show. Uh, we love to hear from our listeners, so please feel free to do so. Um, you can reach us on Twitter, VegasGang, at VegasGang. And uh, why don't I go around and let you guys tell people where they can find you. So, Dr. Dave, if people want to track you down, where should they go? GrandissimoBook.com. Excellent. And uh, Mr. Chuck Monster, what about you? You can find me at VegasTripping.com slash iBeacon. <laughs> Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Hunter, or you can go to VegasMate.com to hear about the app. And uh, don't forget to vote in the trippies. How, no matter how you vote, don't forget to vote. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All guys. Right. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you.